0: This podcast was sponsored by Mutual Insurance Company of Arizona. MICA is the select provider of medical professional liability coverage for the Maricopa County Medical Society. For more information about MICA, call 602-956-5276 or visit www.mica-insurance.com. Hi, my name is Dr. Monica Faria. I am board certified in general and addiction
1: psychiatrist
0: and an MCMS member. Welcome to today's podcast.
1: I, I think that the best part of work in telemedicine is seeing how patient becomes more adherent to, to things, to the medications and to attending the, the appointments, and that translates in improvement of the, on the health.
2: I want to welcome you to the Arizona Physician Podcast. My name is Haley Sappington. I am a student through AT Still University, and today I am speaking with Dr. Correa. I'm going to let him introduce himself and tell you a little bit about himself.
1: Hi, everyone. Uh, My name is Ricardo Correa. I am an endocrinologist. At this point, I am uh, working as a staff endocrinologist uh, for the Phoenix VA, and I have a Work in conjunction with the University of Arizona College of Medicine in Phoenix as the program director and director for diversity in GME. Uh, it's a great pleasure to be here and talking about this important topic, telemedicine. For certain things, one uh, I started tele- telemedicine before I arrived to my new my actual job in Phoenix. Uh, when I was in Rhode Island, I start. We're working in, te- in telemedicine in endocrinology uh, uh, since 2016, and that uh, helped me to have a different picture. Definitely when I came to Phoenix, it changed a little bit. I stopped doing that, and and uh, but uh, thank God to s- some part of my, at, at that point, fellow Dr. Gauri Vehari Now she's the chief of telemedicine at the Phoenix VA. Uh, we start a... Um, a telemedicine in endocrinology, telediabetes. And then now uh, with COVID, everything has been just uh, accelerated and, and it has been doing, we have been doing more telemedicine than ever. So that's the, I can compare and contrast the two experiences, one working with a private company uh, before coming to Phoenix and then now working with a government and having telemedicine at the government level.
2: First off, my first question, will we start to see full telemed-based clinics, in your opinion? Do you think we'll reach a point where that's how you see a doctor?
1: Yes. Yeah, no, definitely. Uh, I I think that now we are in that point, and that point will continue. Okay. So there is no going back to the old times. So if you have a condition where you need some, uh, some kind of Uh, you don't want to go and see a doctor face to face, then telemedicine will be an option. And this started before COVID. So there was Mm -hmm. a lot of of physicians that were doing telemedicine. Of course, COVID, the only thing that did was accelerate that process because of the policies and all the reimbursement issues that were not in place before COVID, start to be in place with COVID. But then... Now, everybody found that there was an uh, easy access of doing telemedicine for certain kind of patients, and okay. then, now it will continue. Now, I think that forever, and I think that the reimbursement or the payers, is, they, they will have available this, this for forever. That was a, a limitation. The other limitation that uh, we still will have is the license in different states that probably we will overcome.
2: Okay, that brings me to another one of my questions. I, I work for um, Washington University in St. Louis, if you're familiar, and we have run into some issues with patients who are like, yeah, I'm in the state of Missouri. And then, you know, they'll mention, but does the doctor really know that, you know? And it's like, I could be in Florida and tell you I'm sitting on my couch at home. What can be done to ensure, you know, for liability purposes that that doesn't happen?
1: Yes. So, so basically whenever you, um, you enroll, if this will be people that are doing telemedicine, most likely with companies that are on, uh, uh, on this area of doing mm-hmm. telemedicine. So whenever, uh, the, this company enrolled the m- most, the, the majority of the times they ask you on how many license do you have or the state that you have licensed okay. and they will pair you with patients that are on those states. Or if they are opening a new state, they will ask you, you want to um, have a license, a telemedicine license that costs a little bit less than a full license for X Uh,
2: state. I see. I see.
1: So you could, could,
2: for hypothetically, you could be sitting in Arizona, be a doctor in Arizona, but have a telemed license for the rest of the country, theoretically.
1: Theoretically, the only problem is that for fifty state or forty nine more state, it will cost you a lot of money. A lot of money. Have license, that makes sense. Yes, not like in each state, but at least I can tell you my uh, my experience. I I start uh, doing telemedicine be- be- before I came to Phoenix. I was doing telemedicine as a side job, uh, and I was okay. in Rhode Island, and okay. my clinic, my telemedicine clinic, was in Georgia. Cool. So the page I I I was not it was in a rural part of Georgia, and I was doing telemedicine. Of course, I had to get a license from Georgia. Okay. To practice telemedicine. Cool. Uh, That's really
2: cool. I can, I can remember just kind of a little anecdote. I can remember I was probably 12, 13, 14 sitting in a doctor's office and there was a big poster on the wall and it was a person who was visually very sick sitting in front of a computer screen. And it said something about like, you know, is, is this the future of medicine? And, and now thinking about that, like, I'm not that old and I'm thinking about that. I'm like, wow, this was this big future of medicine. And now here we are, we're, we're kind of in it. So um, as far as as COVID goes and accelerating things, were we kind of going to be here anyway, or is COVID kind of giving us like a like a crash course in learning how to how to do all of this?
1: Yeah, I think that uh, COVID what what did was give us a crash course of how to learn this. Um, Of course, not everybody will go to telemedicine. You cannot go to telemedicine everything uh, mm-hmm. In the sense of, uh, there are people that you need to do a physical exam. At least you need to see a face-to-face person once a year or, or something like that, depending on, on the specialty. Sometimes there are specialists that will not allow you to have a telemedicine. I'm thinking in a surgeon; it's mm-hmm. th- impossible that they do telemedicine. Yeah. I mean, they, this is for for the clinicians that see chronic conditions and and that can help patients to not have to move or they live far away or something like that. Or as you mentioned, an acute condition that you really have like a sore throat and you don't know, but you want to consult with a physician. So you use telemedicine in that case, or sometimes another that you have like a question for a physician and there is some other platforms like kind of telemedicine platforms where you have a question and then they connect you with a physician and then the physician see you and they can answer your questions uh, uh, and you are remotely. So so the, for those cases, it will be beneficial, will continue. I don't think that it will uh, be a problem. But for the uh, more uh, uh, other for other cases like surgery, things like that, or where you have to do a full physical exam, you have to touch the patient or that telemedicine will, will never replace. The yeah. Yeah.
2: That's uh, uh, one thing I was wondering. So what does telemedicine mean for preventive care? Um, we think about telemedicine being very effective for reactive care. I have a sore throat. I have this rash. You can you can see this rash on my hand. What can I do? But as far as like proactive care, where does telemedicine have a place in that?
1: You know, I think that um, uh, telemedicine has a big place in in preventive medicine, because that way you can approach faster a patient uh, and communicate uh, easier your message instead of making a patient come to an appointment and all of that. So patients that just need a um, some kind of uh, lifestyle modification appointment, uh, coaching appointment, things like that, telemedicine will be the Perfect setting. They don't have to waste their time. Sometimes the good thing about telemedicine is that people do late hours because yeah. they, both the physician and the patient are at home. So they do seven, eight p.m. That we will never find an appointment, on uh, a physician office at before after five p.m. Yeah. So you you have that that option. the The other option is you know people that have kids and that is it's difficult to go to an appointment uh, or several appointments that they have and, and this preventive medicine can start being doing some of these appointments late at night uh, or whenever they have some time with the kids. So, so it, it, it has a role for every setting from the preventive to the acute to the chronic management in medicine.
2: Yeah, I, I never really thought of it that way. I like that. And um, I feel like I've worked in, in a couple of different doctor's office settings and a huge issue we have is is motivation. You know, a patient will call and they're in a, a mood someday where they're like, I'm going to get this taken care of. I'm going to get it done. Cool. Here's your appointment in six weeks. You know, six weeks later, they're over it. They don't care about it anymore. Do you think it, it really helps with the? I want to address this right now. Okay, let's take care of it right now.
1: Yes, I I think so. Um, and our experience, for example, with patients with diabetes, mm-hmm. that's something that, that happened. So usually, a patient with diabetes has to follow more frequently, depending on how well or bad co- or or what bad control you are. So these patients, uh, what it uh, have been shown is that using telemedicine decrease the non-show rate mm-hmm. and improve the adherence to your treatment and everything because they now have the ability to have a 30 minutes in the day, say for that. It doesn't have to be exactly from 8 to 5. It can be any time. And then when you see more frequently your provider, uh, then what it translates with that you are more adherent to your treatment and all of that. Uh, so, so comparing the patients that are seen face to face and the telemedicine work, uh, in in certain conditions they can be more um, adherent, and then the no shows decrease.
2: I like to hear that. That's that's really cool. That's that's one thing I was I was kind of wondering.
0: This podcast was sponsored by Mutual Insurance Company of Arizona, the select provider of medical professional liability coverage for the Maricopa County Medical Society. As a physician-led mutual, Micah has been Arizona's choice for medical professional liability insurance for nearly 45 years. We provide value to members with superior claims handling and exceptional risk management programs. Call us today for a quote or visit our website to learn more about Micah's premium coverage options and outstanding service. 602-956-5276 or www. Mi-insurance.com. Bureau of Medical Economics has been servicing the account collection needs of the medical community since 1951, with nearly 70 years of experience in this industry and proven results. We proudly consider our clients, your practice, an invaluable business partner. There is no obligation and no upfront cost. Please give us a call at 602-252-3469 for more information.
2: What would you say to older patients who don't trust the new technology? And and you know, they they say things like, Oh, how do I know someone's not sitting there watching? Or how do I know someone's not listening to this conversation? What would you say to the old school patients to get them to trust the process?
1: Several things. One is that the telemedicine platforms are very secure. So whenever, uh, and that's why there are some the companies that are behind this uh, invest a lot of money on this, and because they're very secure, they they follow the same confidentiality and privacy that any encounter will have uh, in, and that, and some in some ways the 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 same that having a face-to-face encounter. So so telling that them about the, secu- the confidentiality and privacy that is the same as being face-to-face is important. The other thing is that if the patient doesn't feel comfortable doing telemedicine, I think that the best thing to do is face-to-face. Uh, let's see when we finish COVID and the patient, and they can offer you face-to-face. They, this will, This is what will happen. They will offer you a face-to-face or a telemedicine visit. And if you don't feel comfortable using anything like the new technology or or something, it's better to use whatever you feel comfortable because at the end, patient-physician relationship is what will be affected. And if you come with a bias saying that somebody will not pay attention to me if I use this and you already are pretty exposed to this, I can bet you that the encounter will not be uh, what you expect to be just because you already have a bias. So if there is any, any, any doubt or something, clarify with the office of the physician. And if you don't feel comfortable, just, just, just say, well, I want a face to face. I think that that's, that would be the best option. Mm-hmm. But I can tell you that from the uh, standpoint of the elderly population that w- we see at the VA, many of them feel happier now that there is in telemedicine than before. So, and the VA population is usually older population. So, 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 so we can see there is also the other part is the positive and a negative downside of, of telemedicine in addressing social determinant of health Mm -hmm. because um there are people that uh med- medicine is not is a component of the entire social determinant of health and uh, you can find the positive thing is that people that cannot attend to a uh, appointment because they have issues with money coin taking the bus mm-hmm. or because they cannot leave a- their kids with anyone or things like that or they have to work and usually there is no appointment after work all of these issues can be solved by telemedicine. But then the other, the counterpart is that then also there are people that do not have the technology, meaning mm-hmm. they do not have or a, a, a smartphone, they do not have access to data to have a full telemedicine clinic. So mm-hmm. then there is the counter side. Uh, and then that now is what they are working very hard at the national level, certain uh, societies on uh, how to address social determinants of health on, a teleme- on telemedicine, because that's very important. You, you try to address that on a face-to-face uh, visit, uh, but how to address that in a telemedicine visit, uh, because at the end that impact your health overall.
2: Okay. Um, I guess my, my one final question, what would you say are some kind of negatives that come with telemedicine as far as like malpractice issues or chief complaints in your experience with telemedicine? Is, is there any kind of odd wrenches thrown in that you weren't expecting?
1: Yeah. So thank God I don't have any bad experience. Since I started several years ago, now I'm under a big uh, institution that is, is using it. so it's it's, it's rare. But definitely uh, what I have listened to others is uh, that whenever you join a telemedicine or you start the medicine, you have to think about the malpractice. Mm-hmm.
0: Um,
1: you have to be very careful about uh, when when you start telemedicine to ask the patient if they are in a quiet place where nobody is listening um what is uh, uh, another emergency number where they can call if they disconnect because mm-hmm. remember this is the other issue like you are talking to a patient and the patient in if, it, if this was in the clinic and the patient have i don't know let's see a stroke mm-hmm. you immediately send the patient to the er you yes. are in this in, in a clinic or you can send the patient to the er you are in the same hospital you can send it to the the er of the hospital
2: okay in a
1: telemedicine if you are in front of a patient and the patient is having a stroke and you are noticing that it's your responsibility to do something, but how can you do something if you didn't ask at the beginning where is the best place or is, give me your address, confirm your address, confirm your uh, phone number so you can immediately call? You have to call 911, EMS, say all of this, and uh, so this is things that can happen and you have to be prepared if you're doing a telemedicine and can be downside to you if you don't take the, the, the precautions before starting the, the encounter. So, so that's something to be aware. I think that that's the most common two things, the malpractice and the events that can go uh, wrong and also the, the privacy um, that you have to ask and, and confirm first before starting because you are not starting a telemedicine appointment and the the patient is like with 10 other people around, uh, the room. Okay. Yeah. You have to, you have to confirm that the patient is alone and, and there is privacy and it's you, you are just talking with the patient.
2: Perfect. And to end on a positive, what would you say is the best part of working telemedicine?
1: I, I think that the best part of working telemedicine it's, seeing how patient becomes more adherent to two things, to the medications and to attending the, the appointments and that translate in improvement of the, on the health. Of course it will never replace face-to-face mm-hmm. and we have to combine between telemedicine and face-to-face. And that's, okay. uh, I think that that's, that will be the future, how, how many times you want to do telemedicine, how many times you want to see face-to-face, probably once a year I can do a face-to-face and the rest of the time, if I need to do more frequently, I need I can do telemedicine. It will depends on the condition, on the patient, on the physician, but at, at least the opportunity of seeing more frequently and as I mentioned, in hours that probably the patient do not need to take a day off because some, mm-hmm. some patients have to take the, the entire day off just for 30 minutes appointment sometimes in some jobs. And then in the US, there is no paid sick delays, sick days. So you have to not get, get the money. So they, that's why there is so much no show because they don't want to miss uh, the day of working because they need the money. So, so this telemedicine overcome that big problem uh, depending on certain conditions I mentioned.
2: Awesome. Awesome. Well, I want to thank you very much for taking your time to talk with me. Um, I definitely appreciate speaking with you and I I thank you
1: for all of your information. Thank you so much for for the invitation, Hayley. It's a real pleasure.
0: Founded in 1892, Maricopa County Medical Society is a strong collective physician voice. Thank you for listening to the Arizona Physician Podcast.